Hey everybody, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Today I'd like to share with you a few things that I, I really believe will will bless you, will encourage you, will get you to take maybe a second or even third look at the way you've been doing some things and how you've been approaching some things. And, and this is the time of the year where it's a little bit easier to look back at what we've done over the past 12 months and, and gain a new perspective. By new perspective, I mean um, what's worth pursuing, what's not worth pursuing. Sometimes we get involved with things that, although they look good on the service, they never quite, I don't want to say live up to our expectations, although I guess that's one way to say it. But maybe another way to say it is, uh, it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. So for the last uh, few podcasts, I had been talking about the Book of Acts and focusing on what the early church was like, what they focused on, how they approached situations, what they did, and just as much as what they did, what they didn't do. Because over time, you can see that uh, people develop different traditions and customs. The one that stuck out the most to me when you read the book of Acts is the fact that the early church didn't pray for God to do, do things. What I mean by that is they didn't pray that God would heal uh, Joe Smith, who lived across the street. Uh, let me give you an example of that. When the early church was threatened, it says they lifted up their voice in one accord, and they prayed, and their prayer was that God would give them all boldness so that they could go forward and fearlessly preach the word. Now, that was their reaction to the problem. The early church prayed that God would give them boldness. Now, the modern church, for the most part, would pray for God's protection, or they would maybe pray for um, God's power or, or the miraculous. Maybe they would pray for something like that. But why didn't these people pray for that? Why was their mindset different? Their mindset was different was because they were closer to the source of the information than we are today. And so sometimes you, you, your opinions are colored before you even get to the Bible and s to see what it says itself. Let me give you an example. Um, somebody tells you before you go to a restaurant that the food there is terrible, the service is terrible, and, and when you get there, maybe you don't want to go there, but you're forced to go there. Let's say there's a, um, a business meeting there or a relative wants to eat there or another friend insists that you know, you meet there and have a snack. But before you go there, you hear all this. So you go with your defenses up and you, and you micromanage the experience in your own mind. In other words, um, maybe the waitress doesn't get there right away in, in the beginning. 
to pour the water or ask what you want to drink or to put your table setting down. But because you already heard that the, the, the service in this place is terrible, the food is terrible, you begin to come to conclusions that are not accurate. In other words, because she's a little slow, suddenly, oh, the service here really does stink, you know? And when you have that mind made up, when you have your mind made up that way, everything that comes afterward is affected by that opinion, right? It's the same thing with um, some people have really um, difficult personalities to connect with, right? So somebody may tell you, oh, you're going to meet so-and-so? Oh, I hate that guy. Oh, I hate her. I mean, they're so snobbish, opinionated, uh, standoffish, and everything. And you find out that maybe they're the type of personality that um, I grew up around for the, uh, in a greater extent in the Northeast. Because in the Northeast, if somebody doesn't like you, uh, they're not apt to smile and look at you and say they like you. They'll call you an idiot to your face, and that shocks some people, especially maybe if you come from the South. In the South, somebody will smile at you and say, have a good day, sir. And then when you're out of ears uh, reach <laughs> behind closed doors, they'll talk all manner of evil about you. But then they'll smile to their face the next time. So it, what I'm saying is you know what you have in the North, and, and, and I'm using this as a contrast of how people are two different ways of approaching it. But anyway, somebody tells you that, oh, this person's gruff or whatever, and you find out that, you know what, when you really get to know them, they are the nicest person. They just are not the type of person that puts up with garbage from other people. They call it black and white. There's very little grace. Whereas your personality may be um, maybe different. Maybe you see a lot of gray. Um, maybe you can put up with more than the average person can. And, and so what I'm saying is, is everything isn't as it appears on the surface. You really have to dig. Do you want to find out the truth about something? Then don't take somebody else's word for it. Dig for yourself. When it comes to the Bible and spiritual things, if you really want to know what's real and what isn't, then compare Scripture to Scripture, book to book. Because anybody can pull one thing out of, out of the setting and make something out of it that it isn't. But when you compare scripture to scripture, when you see one thing being said over multiple times in different ways, then you know for certain that that's the truth. That's why the Bible says in the um, Old Testament, it says, don't receive a accusation except in the mouth of two or three witnesses, or let the truth be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And it says it in multiple places. So if we take that and we bring it over to what we believe today, let your beliefs be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses, not just somebody saying one thing one time. And although maybe it makes logical sense to you, there's a reason why the Bible says not to lean on your own understanding, but to trust the Lord with all your heart and to acknowledge him in all your ways. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to, um, oh, back to again the book of Acts, what I was saying. Uh, they prayed for boldness. Why did they pray for boldness? Because they know that Jesus said that God would confirm the word. The word is the truth. Jesus was the truth. The word become flesh and dwelt among us, it says, right? God confirms the word with signs following. Right? So Paul perceived that the man who was listening to him preach in the book of Acts in one instance had faith to be healed. And he said to the man, Rise up on your feet. 
and the man was healed. Right? He perceived that he had faith to be healed. Why? Because he was preaching Jesus the healer. If you don't preach Jesus heals, then, then the faith doesn't come to believe that. If you don't preach that Jesus saves, then the faith isn't there to receive that. If you don't preach that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the belief isn't there. People look at this as a story of historical events that has no bearing or relevant on the present. They look at it as though it's just a book of, quote-unquote, religious philosophies. But what makes the philosophy, the philosophy uh, and the truth so different is the truth gets results, right? So Jesus made some very definite statements, wide-open statements. All things are possible to those who believe. He didn't qualify that in any way. He didn't say all things are possible to those who believe if they're in the will of God. Right? Samson was an example of somebody who spent a lot of his time outside of the will of God, but the power of God worked just fine. His life came crumbling down as a result of bad choices, but no one can say he was powerless, can they? And the same thing today, we look at it and, and we examine our lives as though we have the power. Um, and, and, and the difference is, in the New Testament, is Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. The original disciples, when they were questioned about the source of their power, they said, don't look at us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man walk. It's the name of Jesus and faith in the name. Everything points back to Jesus in the new covenant. Right? So miracles are done in the name of Jesus, not in your own strength or your own power. Healings occur in the name of Jesus, not your own personal holiness or sanctification. All of these other things are done. The reason why people are supposed to live right is so you can get the most out of, out of this experience down here. So that you don't open the door for heartache and evil to enter into your life. Right? That's why we treat other people the way we want them to be treated. Right? So on, on one hand, in a life experience, maybe you have a situation where lust enters in. Right? Because you're a fallen being in a fallen body. <laughs> and, and even as, as a believer, you still live in a body. So you, you still feel the temptation. You're still... You, you have that in you and in your flesh, that is. That's what the Bible says. You still have that, as long as you have a physical body. And, but you realize that laying with another man's uh, husband or wife will not only cause heartache and harm in that individual's life, in that family relationship, but it also opens a spiritual door where unseen forces are able to get in what the Bible says, like thieves enter in and they steal. They will steal from your life. Somehow, some way, they create havoc. They just can't get in and um, destroy a person's lives. They have access to us according to the choices that we make. right? And that's why Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Like we, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are, when you've been restored, go and strengthen your brethren. He fell. I mean, he denied Jesus three times. When the devil came, when the heat was on, he denied Jesus. Can you imagine that 
that feeling and then making actually making eye contact with the person that you betrayed. Because just before that point, he said, you know, Lord, I'd die for I'd easily lay down my life for you. You know, and we say a lot of things when the temptation um, for for harm isn't there. I mean, we can make commitments, but when the hour comes, when it really matters, will you keep that commitment? I'm talking about in, in any area of life. Right? I mean, we like to say with for, with certainty that we would. But the truth of the matter is it's, it's by the grace of God that you would. And, and so uh, just to sum up what I've been talking about in the book of Acts, um, they had faith in the name of Jesus. They prayed for boldness because they understood that they had to go out and do something. They, if the word was going to be heard, it had to come out of their mouths, not somebody else's. If people were, were going to get healed then somebody has to lay the hands on, somebody has to pray, somebody has to speak the word in faith. You know, there's an example where we see Peter praying and then turning to the person's body and and speaking, telling them to rise up before the miracle happens. So sometimes we see it by saying, speaking in Jesus' name. Sometimes we see it in the Acts, they just spoke it. Of course, they intended what they spoke to happen in the name of Jesus but they weren't legalistic about it, right? Sometimes they use the name of Jesus. One time we see they use the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, Other times we just see them speaking the word, but we know that these were people in their hearts. They were representing Jesus and God is not a legalist. He didn't hold them to, I'm sorry, can't move, can't answer that prayer. You didn't use uh, the complete phrase, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, or you didn't use the word Christ or you didn't speak it in the Hebrew, none of that. It's, it's the faith that comes from God. It wasn't by their own power. It wasn't by their own holiness. They knew that God wanted to do things in this earth no differently than he did when Jesus walked it. That's why Jesus trained these disciples. That's why he sent them out two by two. That's, when he t- that's why he told them to go and do the very things that he did. Right? Look at the Great Commission. Look at it at the end of the different Gospels. Right? It never discounts the miraculous. That's just something that excuses people made today because when their religion fails them, then they have to tweak their religion in order to make room for the failure, in order to justify failure. But I don't believe we should ever justify failure. If you see it in the Bible and you don't see it today, here's one guarantee, one thing that you can count on 100%. The change isn't going to happen on God's side because he never changes. If there's going to be a change, it's going to happen on our side. But underneath all of this, and this is what I want to talk about in Hebrews chapter 13, I'm going to read this in the King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version so you can get a clearer understanding. And I want you to see that the, the thought here doesn't change from translation to translation. I'm going to start in verse number five. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Now, we've seen that before in other parts of the Bible. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? So right now we can be content with what we have today because as long as the Lord is there tomorrow, the powers will also be there tomorrow 
to have things. In other words, we don't have to heap up things right now. We don't have to heap up food right now because the Lord won't be there tomorrow. I mean, even if all food disappears like it did in Elijah's time, he will show us where to go and provide for us until we get there. Right? So you can see the truth in Hebrews 13, 5. And, and, if, and if it concludes by saying, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Then in verse 6 it says, so that we may boldly say, there's the word boldness again. One of the things the early church had a lot of emphasis upon, put the emphasis upon, things that they understood that may have been lost over time, that boldness, confidence is a big part of the spiritual walk, of the faith walk, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Right? The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Verse number seven, remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I mean, as great as it is to have contemporary examples, I'd rather go back to the Gospels and the book of Acts and follow those examples. And then what does it say right after that? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So that covers everything. He's the same Jesus. He doesn't change not. He didn't stop doing miracles. The difference is he does things today through his church, through his brothers and sisters, through his family, by the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to focus on. Verse number nine. Be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Okay, so let's take a look at that verse in the English Standard Version. It says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. What's grace? God's grace, the definition for grace is unearned favor. Your children have unearned favor. They were born of you. It's that's a special connection there. You have been born of God. You have grace in the eyes of God. You are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, for, to those who believe. You have grace in his eyes. Not by foods which have not benefit those devoted for them. And then you can read about the details which will show the the symbolic uh, nature of blood and sacrifice and the holy places. And, and here's the thing. It says the, the emphasis then being put on foods, on, on things which are sanctified, on things that go inside. There was so much of that in that time that, that they had that, on the outward part. Jesus called the religious people who operate in the temple whitewashed tombs. In other words, you're clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're filled with dead men's bones. And that's why under the New Covenant, it's Jesus focused on, it's not the things that go into a person that corrupt them, but the things that come out of the heart. And so the book of Hebrews, written to Hebrews, who grew up around this system, they had to unlearn this focus, this uh, 
everything focusing on what the individual does outwardly and ignoring the heart state of the person. So here it says, do not be led away by strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be established by grace. And so as you bring that to a practical level, you can have the power of God in you today, even if you don't read the Bible, right? Even if you can't quote chapter and verse exactly right from the King James Version. You can have the power of God flow through you, even if you just got done sinning and cursing somebody out or gossiping about something that you should have, even recognizing it afterwards. The power of God will still work through you. And there's examples of people throughout the years who did mighty works, but their lives were a total mess while they were doing these mighty works. Now, they didn't live long lives, most of them. And they went through a lot of heartache because of their actions. But the power worked through them by the grace of God. Now, people who have a performance type of mindset, like the original Hebrews did, they have a hard time digesting this because they believe that personal sanctification equals um, having the power of God at work in their lives. And the truth of the matter is, whether you're living a personally sanctified life or not, isn't a determination on whether or not when you flip on the switch, the lights will go on. Look at it this way. Um, the house can be a wreck that you live in, but if the wiring is connected, the light will go on. Well, you're in Christ. The wiring is connected. But here's the thing. Um, our, our own heart is weakened when we focus on um, ourselves. We focus on the negative but it's strengthened by grace. And so what am I not saying? I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what you do. That's not what I'm trying to get across here. What I'm getting, trying to get across is that we find ourselves in a place, oftentimes, where we're trying to fix too many things. We're trying to fix the point that we don't read the Bible enough. We try and fix the point that we don't give enough. We try and fix the, the point that you know, we don't listen to people. We're not in the moment with them. We're trying to fix the fact that we don't care enough. We're trying to fix a lot of things. And none of those things will, will strengthen the heart on the inside. What will is honesty. Opening your heart up to God and saying that, you know what? I've tried to get victory in this area and I failed over and over and over again. I recognize now that the only thing that will ever bring victory in my life is your grace, your unearned favor manifested in my life. That's the only thing that will get me from here to there. And that's what the Bible means when Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. We come to the point where we realize that our efforts are just not good enough. There is a surrender. I'm not saying it's a giving up. It's a surrender. It's no longer relying on your own strength. And we do that so often, right? Because I believe you put your strength to something. You, you do what you know how to do. But how many times is that not enough? Well, sometimes it is enough, right? I mean, sometimes you make, a, you make a determination that, you know what? Today I'm going to do um, this, this, and this. And I'm going to put my heart into it, and I'm going to do it. And you do it, and you accomplish it, and good things happen. But then you discover that whether it's, several days down the line or even tomorrow, that it doesn't quite work that time. 
not like it did the first time. Right? You try to create a good habit, but it's not enough. The, see, the Christianity isn't a series of habits that we develop. Right? It's the position of the heart on a daily basis before God. I open my heart to God, and you know, sometimes I have to admit I, had, I wasn't sincere about certain things. Or I, I was fearful because I was trying to fix myself, because I believed that I couldn't enter into a certain place in life until I fixed myself, right? And I realized that not trying to fix myself was wrong also, but here's the point. Here's where the freedom happens. When you do everything that you can, but you don't have enough left, it's kind of like, you know what? You filled up with gas, but there weren't enough natural gas stations between here and there to complete your journey, right? You do what you know how to do, but God may send you to a place. God may be calling you to a place where you're going to have to come through a, a, a certain area and you're not going to have what you need to get through that area. And all your resources will fail. And that's the test. Will you give up or will you give in? Giving up is saying, forget it, this just doesn't work. And for reasons we don't understand, I understand that mindset. But if you have the no defeat, no surrender mindset, then you're going to turn around and you're going to say, Lord, I've done all that I can to get from here to there. I need whatever you have, whatever you need to do. I'm open to it. Please don't leave me here. Take me where I need to be. Those are the type of prayers, the honesty, that gets you to complete the process. The process that most people go through their lives and never never complete. I truly believe that. I truly believe that there will be a lot of people that when they get there, they'll figure out or God will reveal to them that they could have accomplished certain things, done certain things, gone places that they never did because they never asked. They never asked. The choice was given to them. They just kept trying and trying and failing, right? And, and maybe the secret was they had to come to the point where they recognized that they could not do it. They could not do what God wanted them to do. But see, God doesn't, his gifts and his callings, the Bible says, are without repentance. In other words, he doesn't call a person and then turn, turn around and say, you know what? You're not fit for the job. Imagine this. Everybody knows what American football is like, right? I mean, you've seen it happen before. I mean, even if you don't understand the rules, but you've seen it on TV over the years. Maybe you watch it all the time. I don't know. But imagine this. You're on the bench. You, at this time in your life, you're on the bench. And suddenly, God calls you in to play a position on the field. And you do the best that you could do, but it doesn't take you long before you recognize that the other players are too big, too strong, too fast, too everything. Now, maybe if you're younger, maybe you are fast enough, but you're not strong enough. So you use what you have, right? And, but, but the test is, here's the test, for to use what you have and then get to the point where you've used it, but now you turn around and you need something that is not natural. You need something that's supernatural, where willpower isn't enough. Your willpower has been strained to its breaking point and you have no more to give. When your ability to intellectualize a, a solution to the problem has been exhausted, right? When you do what you know how to do, there is a certain part of your heart that will be at rest. 
right? Because if there, if it's laziness, if you're not trying what you know to do, if you're not putting in an honest effort, and emphasis on the word honest, if you're not putting in an honest effort, then you have to because God isn't going to bless you just because you don't feel like doing it or because you don't want to go through the strain, right? He'll let you sit back and watch TV for the next 30 years if that's what you want to do. Right, but then, then you don't have to. You can't question why. How come my life wasn't a higher quality one day when you look back? And so, today I look at at life. I look at the situations, and I don't, I don't become mesmerized. I don't stare at them. Instead, I look right from the challenge to the grace of God. As I move through the day, I'm trying to be conscious that I am what I am and I do what I do by the grace of God because it is by faith that it might be by grace that the promise the Bible says would be assured to all the seed. It is therefore by faith that it might be by grace. Right? Faith opens the door to God's unearned favor. Faith isn't, isn't the power in and of itself. It's not just faith. It's grace that does all of the heavy lifting. It just fit. grace is knocking on the door, but, but it takes faith to open the door up. I, I choose, and you can choose to believe in the grace of God. Right? Because what is the alternative? The alternative is, is your own works, is your own performance, and they're too inconsistent. And you know it, and your heart knows it. Right? Because if you have faith in yourself, that can only take you so far because you will not perform at the same level every time. And the time that you need it the most, you may find out that your performance just isn't up to, up to par that day. Think about the greatest golfers. They practice all day long, but yet in certain tournaments, when it comes around, right down to it, they can't put that performance forth that they had in the past for whatever reason. Maybe their mind isn't there. Maybe they're not 100% physically. Same thing in any sport. Sometimes the performance isn't there. No matter what you do, sometimes you're just not operating at 100%. But what happens if you can't operate at 100% that day and you need to? Do you see how the grace of God fits in? Maybe our 100% is an illusion, and we never really are ever at 100%. Maybe it's the grace of God that's been there the whole time when you operate at those peak levels. You just haven't acknowledged or recognized it. You know? And so it's not... Grace is not a, a matter of taking the easy way out. Grace is the door to freedom. It really is. It's freedom to live an imperfect life and not be condemned for it. Let me say that again. Grace gives you the freedom to live an imperfect life and not be condemned for it. Condemnation is a heavy load to carry. Self-condemnation, very heavy. You can't carry it for long. One more time, Hebrews 13, 9. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Let's look at it in a few more translations. International Standard Version, or Darby, excuse me. For it's good that the heart be confirmed by grace. King James, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. One version of the NIV, it is good that God's grace makes our hearts strong. 
Don't depend on foods the law requires. Another version of the NIV here. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which have no benefits. We can put the not by and just put a dash there. There's all kinds of, of things that people use to strengthen their own faith or, or try to do it in their own strength. Here's the way, uh, Weymouth, New, Weymouth New Testament. Do not be drawn aside by all sorts of strange teachings, for it is well to have the heart made steadfast through God's grace. So as we approach the end of 2017, we're getting ready to, end, uh, to begin a new year and an old one. Imagine having your heart established as we enter a new year, which in a lot of ways is, in, is entering into a new chapter in life, at least the way we look at it and enter in with a heart that's established by grace. Let it be a year of grace, maybe. I talk about faith a lot because the Bible talks about faith a lot. But sometimes you can focus on one thing and, and miss another. Right? Because all these truths are the same simultaneously. You know? By the grace of God, inconsistent people can perform with great consistency. Lives can be lifted up. Lives can be changed. And this kind of grace, this kind of faith, it's not designed for you to carry. It's designed to carry you. Maybe you can make a statement of faith and say, you know what? Today, I'm not going to carry God. God's carrying me. Right? Today, I'm not going to carry my faith. My faith is going to carry me. God's grace is going to carry me. Faith is a natural extension of who we are in Christ. That's why you see over and over and over again, have faith in the Gospels. But then, through the rest of the Bible, you don't see that command issued over and over again. Do you know why? Because it's written to those who already believe the same faith that accepts that Jesus is Savior, believes that Jesus is a miracle worker, believes that Jesus is present day by day, minute by minute, believes that the presence of God is there to do all of the things that's always done because Jesus, God, they never change. They never change, but we do. We're not the same from one day to the next, and the provision which makes up the difference for that if I only have 50% that I can give today, honestly, God's grace has more than 50% to add to it. God will add 100% to my 50%, right? And make what I do add even better. If I had 90% to add today, but I'm 10% short, and if I'm looking to God, I'll get more than I need to be at 100%, right? So the focus, it's all a matter of focus. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on yourself? Or are you focusing on the grace of God? That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to receive an update every time a new podcast is published, go to the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. You can sign up there. Again, thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a great day, and I will talk to you soon.